Hi there. I'd like to welcome you into the podcast, second episode of the Cabling Podcast. And we're here today with Peter Jones, uh, Ethernet Chair and Cisco Distinguished Engineer. When I knew when we uh, started a podcast, we would have to get the Ethernet Alliance and you on very soon. Uh, pretty much our first guest in our first episode, Patrick uh, and I uh, talked about the brand and the industry. And so now we are so pleased to be here with you. How have you been, Peter? Um, actually, I've been really good, Matt. Um, it's you know it's been a it's been a really weird couple of years. Um, and I recently went back to my office for the first time in a year and a half to pull my big good screen out of there. So it's been odd, but I do a lot of work remotely anyway. So I guess the the biggest change has not not been not commuting, but also not travelling to standards standards events and shows. And so I don't miss getting on a plane, but I do miss all the interactions with people. Same, you know, and that's. Uh... That has been a very common refrain that I've heard from others. So, uh, so since we are here, we must talk about Ethernet Alliance recent news and developments. Uh, we've certainly covered a lot uh, on the website. Uh, the last and, uh, and, big... and, and we we do always appreciate your your assistance on that. We're always thrilled to cover the Ethernet Alliance. You know, uh, bound at the hip. In a way, you know, Ethernet technology is uh, just such a big uh, part of what we cover. So. Um, I was just on the uh, cabling uh, on a cabling webcast with uh, uh, some gentlemen from Panduit, and they were talking about uh, this uh, very uh, type of uh, stuff uh, with uh, single peer Ethernet and uh, Ethernet uh, technology (PoE). And uh, one of the uh, uh, statistics that was cited is that uh, in 2019, uh, power over Ethernet had its uh, had its best year, biggest and best year ever, and uh, that uh, Ethernet ports are uh, predicted to uh, grow uh, between 11 and 13% a year from here on in. And that kind of leads me to this uh, recent uh, EA announcement about the uh, approval of the POE certification uh, test equipment and how uh, EA members can now perform Gen 2 and Gen 1 POE testing in-house. Third-party testing labs can accelerate their rollout of offerings. This can only uh, result in uh, much more uh, power over Ethernet uh, technology flowing into the market. Is that a correct assessment? Um, I think so. So, I mean, if you think back to when POE started, it was really designed to deal with IP phones, right? And that was, that was always in a place where you had a fairly competent, qualified IT staff. But as POE is becoming much more common, right, in all sorts of different places, you know, I've seen a POE-powered golf ball dispenser and a POE-powered bar fridge. Yeah. So we need to get to the stage where it's much easier for people to deploy that stuff. And that's why I think the POE certification program is a real step forward. Um, I mean, you see this similarly in, you know, things like USB or Wi-Fi lines. So I think when you get technology, which becomes deployed you know, by everyone, the, the certification becomes more important. And I think it, it helps give people the confidence to deploy. Absolutely. And uh, I'll kind of, I was gonna go to uh, Voices of Ethernet, but I think we'll go to uh, single, uh, single pair Ethernet uh, deployments because we were just talking about that uh, on this uh, webcast with Panduit that I just uh, mentioned. And um, they, they were talking a lot about uh, Ethernet APL. And one of the interesting uh, questions uh, that came in uh, during the session was uh, somebody wanted to know 
uh, about the difference between uh, power over ethernet and power over data line. And uh, Mike Vermeer from Panduit pointed out that, uh, you know, power over ethernet doesn't work. Uh, you know, it's power over data line is, uh, is what it's called for, uh, for SPE. And there's a, there's a, dis there's a distinction there. So um, followers of cabling install and CINM, I know that we uh, devoted a lot of coverage to the, uh, the official, uh, uh, you know, unveiling of a SPE technology, but I, uh, as long as we had you here, I just wondered if we could get a, a little bit of an update on uh, how uh, your uh, take on what the pulse of uh, the deployments of uh, SPE has been. And, um, you know, questions I would say that you've heard, like I just mentioned to you about this uh, PoE versus uh, PODL uh, distinction. Um, so, so there's, a, there's, there's, there's a lot in there, and so let yeah. me try and take it piece by piece. Um, yeah. The fundamental, the, the way that the technology is fundamentally different between four pair and single pair, right? And so there's a whole lot of reasons why that is. Um, I'm not exactly the guy to explain it, right? I think you're probably familiar with Chad Jones, who's probably one of the good people to talk to about that, but it is fundamentally different. Um, now, I'll also point out that we should be a little careful taking standards ease as, um, as brand. So I'll point you out that if you look in the ethernet standard, right, what we call PUE is actually power over the MDI. Okay. Now, um, what you find is engineers are usually very bad at doing branding. So while power over data line was sort of descriptive and cool because you can make a bunch of jokes about this being a standard poodle, it's not a great brand. So at least at Ethernet Alliance, we're trying to call it more single pair power over ethernet because it's still this power of Ethernet. And I would prefer not to have to explain to people what Poodle is. Yeah. So that's where we would sort of like to take the branding. We'll probably, we'll probably go do some more work in that, but I think it's a much easier concept to grab onto and it, it sort of retains the POE brand, which I think is really important. Good thought. Uh, good point to have come out here in uh, this forum. Um, so, uh, and you, so there's a bunch of other things that you mentioned in there. There's, yeah. you mentioned that uh, the Ethernet APL project came up. Now, as you as you probably remember, this is a consortium isn't quite the right word. This is a combination of a bunch of the top end uh, process control guys. And they are basically, they've all decided to adopt single pair Ethernet as their path forward. Um, as far as I'm, I'm aware, they're basically using the data part of the spec from 802.3 and the powering spec is different and that's basically because they run in intrinsically safe areas right so intrinsically safe is you can't you can't have a spark and it can't explode so so they are basing everything they're doing off the 802.3 cg off the data spec okay now when you talk are you talking when you talk about those guys are you talking who's installing that in uh, you you know is it so this is the rockwells the siemens um Anderson, Hauser, Pepperell, and Fuchs. So they're the they're the you know they're the cream of the crop for process control. Now I think where they are at the minute, they've done they've done some public demos. I don't know how much is actually being installed. Um, if you're familiar with the the OT world, it tends to change fairly slowly. These guys are quite conservative. So um, to the second part of my question. Um, what has the feedback been uh, from the industry uh, that you have uh, discerned on uh, SPE? Or do people seem to get it? Uh, has, has there been significant questions? Have a lot of people had the same question I, for I you? Think, I think there's a lot of interest. Um, 
mean, certainly I, I, I've drunk from the Kool-Aid, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. Um, it's hard to get an industry going. So at the minute, there tends to be a bit of a chicken and egg. There is a, you know, no one's building switches because no one's building end devices, but no one's building end devices because no, no one's building switches. Um, what I am hearing is, you know, behind closed doors, right? I know there are some regionally major companies doing some serious investment in this, but nothing is nothing is out there yet. So right now we are still in the um, the pre-launch, you know, the, really the pre-launch fa- phase of product shipment, right? There is conversations, there's things happening, but there isn't a lot of product out there. Yeah. That has been a question that I've noticed uh, on the webcast. People are asking, you know, where, you know, where can I get a switch for SPE? You know, does Cisco make the switch? So um, um, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with the, with the ideas. And what I would suggest is um, we are always in the case of in the evangelization side, part of what you need to do is connect the people who want to use it with the people who want to produce it. And so we should have a talk about how we can sort of connect those together because you know, the reason that companies like Cisco, and I'm not speaking for Cisco today, do things is because we have customers who want them. So often there's a bit of a gap on a new market. There's a bit of a gap between people who would produce and people who would consume. So maybe we can help bridge that market because what we really need to hear from people is, you know, what are they going to do with it? Now, it's one thing to say, look, I want one to play with. But what I'd really like to hear about, you know, as Ethan Alliance Chair is if people could tell me what their vision is or what they want to solve. Because I think the more people we get together with a common vision, the easier it is to get the uh, the producers to actually move move that path. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It does. And um, in my mind, I don't know if this is a, a useful or correct uh, distinction to make, but I'm, you know, I'm sort of looking at uh, the uh, industrial uh, and the smart building uh, enterprise sides as two uh, separate segments for SPE. And it seems to me that it's being more, well, I can't say it's really being more aimed at uh, industrial than it is uh, smart buildings, but is that at all a a useful uh, distinction to, to have, or is it all just kind of flowing into the same market? So it is, it's partly useful distinction. Um, Clearly the the most visible things that are happening are the guys in process control. Um, You know, there's a, there's always a question about who's, who is more in the OT world, who's more advanced industrial or building. And I think it's often industrial, but not always. Um, And also when you think industrial, right, every factory has an IT network, right, a building control network and a, you know, production network. And so they're not as distinct as you think. Um, I don't know who's really going to take off first. Um, But I think it's, it's equally applicable. And I think really what it comes down to is, who are the technology providers who first see that this is a key advantage and jump on it? Right? I don't think it necessarily has to be one or the other. Right? They're both they're both similar in scale. I could actually make the argument that it could maybe be buildings because buildings tend to get major upgrades more frequently. Good point to keep in mind. What one that just occurred to me is, I, I mean, how far away would would we be uh, from a situation where? Uh, SPE is actually uh, taking up, uh, you know, market share or deployment space of traditional uh, POE. I mean, are those two I, technologies I, I, in going general, to? In general, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're replacements. I mean, the one place you could consider that is the there's the move towards, um, you know, there's more POE lighting going out there. 
Yeah. But I think you fundamentally build them differently. So I see them very much as complementary technologies, not in competition. Okay. I mean, if, if you want to go and design your building where all of its control is around like an IT, an IT cabling structure, fine, go for it. I'm very happy. But if you want to stay with the more traditional OT cabling structures, single per ethernet. So I think it really becomes, it's a, it is complementary technology and it really depends how you want to structure your building. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to ask you about uh, Wi-Fi 6 because uh, it seems like more and more uh, people in the industry are, uh, are getting that, uh, you know, that note about uh, Cat 6A and, you know, the two connections that you need uh, to enable uh, Wi-Fi 6. And now we're hearing oh, about Wi-Fi 6. So, so, so now I'm going to get a little skeptical and maybe get myself in trouble. Okay. All right, so the vast bulk of access points, I mean, you're seeing a lot of the top end access points today will, will come out with two and a half gig or maybe five. Um, there is a fundamental limitation on how much heat you can disperse from this, from this big. And it's not that huge. So, I mean, personally, I think that we have a long way to go with two and a half and five gig. Now, if I was recommending someone to look at how to put up, put together a building, and, um, you know, I would be going with the standard recommendations of I would drop two cat six A's to a, to a location, but I'd also do them with a service loop because my hunch is that you get better performance by putting in two access points, five minutes apart than putting in a twice as big access point. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, although lots of the industry wants to sell things as very fast, you know, real deployments are sort of different. And so, you know, I'd be pretty comfortable if someone asked me right now saying, yeah, drop two, you know, where you think the access point's going to be, drop two CAT 6As there with a nice long service loop, right? If it turns out that we can end up building an access point that does 20 gig and needs 140 watts, awesome. If not, we can put two and they can be five meters apart. Mm-hmm. It really seems like the uh, the carriers and the service providers are uh, hammering uh, Wi-Fi 6. You know, I've seen a lot of news uh well, Wi-Fi we're, we're, 6 mesh. I mean, we're all, okay. So new technologies are exciting. It's like with 5G. Um, I mean, our, our business tends to focus on new shiny things. And we often ignore the fact of what people are mostly buying and deploying. Um, that being said, you know, Wi-Fi 6 and 6C, you're going to provide major advantages. And so if I looked in, you know, if we go back to being, as we transition back from all working at home to being more office-based, you know, I'm pretty sure that people are going to be more, it's going to be more part-time in the office. So it's going to be more open space, shared space. And I think this will accelerate the trend of all the people are going to go wireless. But then again, you're going to keep having a lot of the things are going to be wired because all these buildings are going to need to be smarter. And then it becomes, you know, you can run your building control on wireless. I mean, you can run it on old from legacy wired technologies, right? The back nets, the lawn works, et cetera. Most people are trying to move away. Um, you can run all your building automation on wireless and there's some reasons to do that, but it wouldn't make me comfortable. So I think what you're going to see is the building has to get smarter. So the proportion of people, the proportion, people go to wireless and things go to wired. That's my guess as to how it works out. Well, thank you uh, for that. Okay, well, uh, not to uh, make too jarring a transition, but let's uh, go back up to 35,000 feet and talk about the Voices of Ethernet uh, archive and recordings. Because I really thought when I 
heard about it. Uh, I thought it was a great project, you know, and to get uh, Mr. Metcalf and the other, uh, you know, voices up there uh, initially, I, I thought that was, uh, I just thought that was great. So I just wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, how, how you came up with the project uh, there at the, uh, with the Ethernet Alliance team and uh, what the roadmap is. I mean, is this, a, we're going to have a library now of uh, voices, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, people so, speaking to technology. So, so let me, so I can actually came, claim credit for this idea because this one was mine. And actually <laughs> it, came, it came through from a bunch of things I've been doing about in different places and really about how to connect the people who use our technology with the people who build it, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that you don't need to know, but, but is very nice to know. So you don't need to know how Ethernet is built. But if you if you if your life is you know if your work reputation is based on it, it's really nice. So what I wanted to do was think figure out a way to connect you know our customers, our recommenders more back to the technology, so they felt more comfortable with how and why. And this is sort of the the things I tend to do in my talks anyway. And so. You know, I had this idea in a few places and I brought up to Ethan Alliance and I said, look, here, what I'd like to do is something like StoryCorps where you basically, are you familiar with StoryCorps, Matt? No. Okay, so StoryCorps is a, it's a public foundation. Their whole thing is, is record oral histories and deposit them in the Library of Congress and then they curate some of them out. And what I was thinking of is, can we go back and get the people who are instrumental building Ethernet and get them on get them on a call and the idea is you know half an hour call it's the chat you might have in a coffee shop or at a bar right it's not it's not an oral history like the computer history museum would do where they might do like two days worth of recording so this is supposed to be a chat so people get some feeling of the context behind what happened yeah and so i floated the idea and people said that's a great idea we should make that work right and so then um, i offloaded it effectively to some of the people on the more marketing side and said look can we make this a reality so we came up with a plan, we got a budget, and so then we started asking people. In general, people have asked, most of them have said, yeah, this is a great idea. Um, and we need to capture the stories before people, you know, unfortunately, people who built this stuff are starting to die. And so we want to get the stories from them before they go. Now, if I look forward, I then want to, I want to make this a much bigger thing. I'd like to connect voices from all over the spectrum, including the original pioneers, people who built the technology today, and eventually people who use it. So the, the function of Ethernet Alliance is to really promote Ethernet. Now, my, my opinion has always been that people don't value a technology they don't understand, right? And so you need to help them understand the value. I think the way to do this is to help connect all the things behind it. So for me, this is a, this is a way to get that connection between the people who live and breathe the technology with the people who built it. Understood. I'll tell you one big thing that provided that connection for me personally is the time that uh, Patrick uh, McLaughlin and I uh, took a ride uh, right up the road here in New Hampshire to the uh, University of New Hampshire uh, Interoperability uh, Laboratory, right? Yeah, UNHIOL, and got inside there during a, uh, I think it was during a plug fest. This is a long yeah. time ago, too. I mean, this is more than five years ago. But uh, That'll uh, give you an insight uh, into the uh, workings uh, behind the technology. And it kind of leads me to the next question I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the rescheduled uh, high-speed high speed networking uh, plug fest uh, that I read about on the Ethernet Alliance site for uh, 2022. Anything to say? So 
a lot of the things EA used to do were built around in-person things, right? Be it trade shows or be it um, plug fests. And they've all got a lot harder to pull off in pandemic time. So, I mean, we've done, we've done a couple of virtual trade shows. I think we were at one or two Bixies, um, and it's, it's a very different experience. Um, we did a virtual demo for OFC, because normally OFC would be one of our big shows. We'd take all the latest cool gear and build it and show it off. Mm-hmm. So what we did in this case is we basically put together a, we effectively hot staged something at one of our members' facilities and did a whole bunch of videos. And so we presented this as, as video collateral instead of physical look and feel, right? Which is... Not quite so good in some ways, but much better in other ways because it's easier to reuse. Um, plug fests are a bit more difficult because we you absolutely have to have a lot of, lots of people in the same place. Yeah. So we've been trying to figure out what we can do in this because because it's still required. We just haven't really cracked the nut on how we would do this, you know, safely. Um, so that's that's a stay tuned because we know we have to figure it out. I mean, maybe maybe we hit a high enough vaccination rate, but we just we don't quite know how to pull that off yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure, uh, you know, as with a lot of other arenas uh, during this time, you know, where where there's a will, uh, there's uh, there's a way. And uh, but. Um, I certainly hope uh, that we'll get back to Plugfest because it'll be more opportunities well, so for us we, to cover them. I mean, we, we need to get back there as an industry because it's really important to have that. We need to test it and make it work before we give it to our customers. And so plugfests are an essential part of that. So we have to get back there. It's just a question of figuring out when can we when we can do this efficiently and safely and effectively. I mean, we need to get there's sort of there's a there's a minimum set of people you need, right? A plugfest with only like three vendors is not that interesting. You need yeah. to get a fair. You, there's a critical mass. Yeah. And so, I mean, if I looked at my company's travel policy, right, I probably would not be allowed to go to one right now. Right. <laughs> And so, you know, this is something we have to work through. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't think we're going to figure out in the next six months, maybe afterwards. So yeah. I think stay tuned on this. We know we've got to get back to it, but there's a lot of things in the way. Now, but, you know, pre-pandemic, were you in the habit of going to the Plugfest, uh, like up at UNHIOL? You go up there um, frequently at all? Or? I haven't so much. Um, there were other people who were closer. I think I might have... I may have gone to one. I mean, it's just, I was, before the pandemic, I was traveling 10 weeks a year. So I wasn't keen to take on extra trips. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I don't think it's too soon for, is there anything else uh, Ethernet uh, Alliance are related that we absolutely have to discuss? Does, uh, discuss absolutely have to discuss. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess we're also, we've been, doing some more outreach. So we do have a, a every two week newsletter that's coming out. You can sign up for that online where we try and capture some of the most interesting stuff. Oh, okay. um, you know, there's, as you well know, right, there is multiple ways to get out to people. And so we're trying to do that. You know, we're doing, we're doing more blogs. We're really trying to figure out, you know, in the absence of the physical contact, the physical shows, how else we can go and reach people. Yeah. As you well know, right, that's a bit of a challenge, but it's also a benefit. The, the physical show thing is awesome but there's only a, a subset of people who get there. So I think if we can do a better job cracking the virtual connection, right, we'll end up with a much better place. You know, if I go out to the, 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 the hopefully not that far away future and physical shows come back, we still need to be targeting the people who can't travel to shows, right? Because, I mean, even if I look at, you know, in my employment, right, Cisco Live is a big show, but in the US we get 
you know, 30,000 people. Yeah. We have a lot more customers than that. And so, you know, EA has a very broad base. If we can get better at doing, you know, the virtual collateral, the communication, electronic communication, right, we'll be better at serving the market. Understood. Well, let's talk about cabling photos. You know, ooh, 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 cabling photos. We yeah, are it's, here. Now. It's amazing how how much response they get. Um, yeah. And you look at it and you say, well, hang on, why do people care? And people care because they've lived their way through this stuff. Yeah. The response is incredible, and it's so much fun. I mean, you know, I can. All you have to do is go on Twitter and check uh, some of the uh, threads that have been and, generated. And it's user-generated content. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Justin Cohen uh, from Cisco, uh, who's been a CINM uh, presenter, was on this morning showing, uh, you know, a little uh, photo of how his eight-year-old daughter rewired the switch on his desk. I mean, it's uh, yeah. there's something universal about the, uh, the cabling photos. So. Uh, so I hope on the podcast to make a habit out of this little so, thing. So, that, so is, it, is this the frivolity section of the podcast? It, uh, it would be. You know, I'm, I've, I've chosen two photos here for Cabling Triumph versus Cabling Tragedy. And, um, you know, I have some regrets because I think I could have uh, chosen some, some better photos. You know, I think we could go on all day here talking about cable I mean, I, fail. I, I, and... I, I, I don't think there is a, there is not an answer, right? There's just, there's so many, there's so many variations of what's happened out there. And I mean, I think in general, no one, no one starts off with a plan to build a really crappy system, <laughs> but, but like many other things, right? These, they tend to rot, right? So unless you keep them up. So, you know, over time with lack of time, it's a problem, but you know we can all take a look at the things which look beautiful. And the really interesting question, I think, for some of them is, do they still look that beautiful five years later? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And, and let's do that now because uh, uh, we're going to get up on the screen uh, our uh, first photo for Cabling Triumph. It's this uh, red uh, beauty of a rack. The caption is, this is one side of your internet cable and VOD. And uh, this is obviously from one of these, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a carrier or a broadcast uh, type deployment, but I've noticed that these, uh, you, you know, these cabling sites look like, like the one we're looking at now, uh, you, you know, it's almost like utility-esque how perfect they are. And I'll, I'll draw your attention to the fact that they appear to be using uh, standard uh, plastic uh, cable ties in, in this photo. And uh, so that did come up on when I posted this on Twitter. Someone came back and said cable ties, like they should be. They should be using um, what do you call it here? The other the other thing, Velcro. Velcro. And then someone else said, well, it's either Velcro or they should do the. There was a thing they used to do previously, which was they used to do a weave. Yeah. Yes, but the, but the, the cable. The I mean, I think we did a poll a while ago, right, about you know Velcro versus cable ties. I think Velcro won by quite a long way. It did, but I don't think cable ties are going anywhere. You see them everywhere. And it seems like in these high end, um, there's a guy on Reddit, which is where uh, we draw a lot of these uh, photos from on social media to talk about and report on. But there's a guy on Reddit who uh, apparently works for CBS uh, in a broadcast in yep. New York. And he posts these, uh, you know, these cabling photos and, uh, you see a lot of plastic cable ties. I mean, I think they put them on there. If, if you, I mean, they I, think 
I, th I think I think this is like is is um, basketball or NFL better. Right? I think this is just a. <laughs> I, I'm clearly not not in a position to comment. Right? I think <laughs> it's you know as we all know, right? Cable ties you can get very tight and clean, yeah. and they're a real pain if you have to move anything. Um, but I think you know in, in this case the red. You look at the work, and the work is is awesomely beautiful. Right? It just it just flows. You look and you go. You can see where everything is. Now, yeah. I don't know what happens if you have to do some sort of change in this. It will be interesting to find out what the result is if you have a problem with one of the cables in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I can only think that somebody with nimble fingers and some snips goes in there and, and just does it. They're certainly not leaving it like the next photo, the cabling tragedy. This was submitted by a CINM reader, which is always awesome. And I'll read the caption. Who needs a rack when you have a shelf and power strips? Uh, you know, I can only take the uh, the submitter's word that this is how it was left and was intended to uh, operate. It looks like they were in the middle of something uh, for this. It but looks, I mean, it looks horrendous. And, <laughs> it looks like, oh, God, I want to scream and run away. And as bad as it looks, it's it's in, obviously it's incredibly common. You see a lot of this out sure. there in the field. So, you know, it's just, it's I mean, just I, entropy, I, I, right? And yeah, it is entropy. Things rot on the shelf and you see this all the time. Um, there is always the temptation for people to go, I'll just make this change and it'll be okay. Um, and so, yeah, there's the question of how, how long does it go before someone says, no, 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 I can't, I can't live with that anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there's a, one thing that has been a theme of our uh, talks, uh, Peter, is, uh, and I, I know you always like to talk about the story. You know, there's always a yeah. story involved, you know, with technology and these discussions that we have about ICT and cabling. And, uh, you know, there are definitely some stories uh, behind these photos. Of course, you know, how... I, I seem to remember one from a while ago, which where someone had a small rack actually hanging off the ceiling via, you know, hanging off the ceiling via a Cat5 cable. Yeah. It was terrifying. We, yes. <laughs> well, uh, we could do this all day. I don't know, maybe for uh, future installments of Cabling Triumph versus Cabling Tragedy, I should, you know, queue up, you know, a, another uh, set of photos uh, uh, for us uh, for us to talk about. Um, but yeah, this, this one, uh, who needs a rack when you need a when you have a shelf and power strips was was a gem and, and i'm still looking behind it and there's um there's the stuff hanging on the plywood wall and there's the there's a little cabinet there that's sitting open it's just like <laughs> yes and i mean and you see you know the switch is just uh you know it is it's got a lot of cabling in it so i mean this is you know obviously a fairly uh, large uh, office space um so anyway you know the joys of cabling photos you know we could we could go on all day you know and per perhaps we should you know it'll i guess we'll have to wait until a, a future uh, sit down uh uh with you uh you know hopefully pretty soon it, it's uh thank you so much for joining us uh it's 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 always a pleasure matt i really i really enjoy i enjoy talking to you folks and i really like the opportunity to reach the people that you reach because the reality is, is the base, the foundation of my industry is the cabling plant. And I see this as a asset that we don't talk about enough. And so without, without the people you get to talk to, right, my business wouldn't exist. 
Simple well, as that. Well put. We'll let you have the last word. We'll we'll leave it there. Peter Jones, Ethernet Alliance Chair. Thanks again for joining us here at cablinginstall.com. You're very welcome at any time. Mm-hmm.